from his precious word today. James chapter number one. As your Bibles are there, let's look again at verse number two, our text verse for this series. Let's read verse two together. Ready? Begin. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. I'll continue myself, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Are you kidding me? How in the world can somebody in 2022 be living a life wanting nothing? Don't take my word for it. It's possible, but God's got to do it. Watch this now. Because if you're not right with God, not only will you not be someone who wants nothing, you'll be someone who wants everything. And the stuff you want will still leave you unfulfilled. What shall it profit a man? Somebody help me preach. If he gain the whole world and lose his own soul. He that loseth his life shall save it. But he that saveth his life shall lose it. May God help us to get in sync with him and out of sync with everybody else. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. Do a great work like only you can. You've been faithful and you continue to be faithful. Bind the devil. Keep him from messing with us and messing with this service. And do what you do. God, if somebody in the building doesn't know Jesus, help them to know that 2,000 years ago you already came through and you conquered death and the grave. Might that one come to a saving knowledge of the truth before it's eternally too late. Do a great work in the service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. James is the author here. He's a brother of the Lord. He's seen a lot. God has brought him a mighty long way. Say amen if you're glad God's brought you a mighty long way. <laughs> How many of you would admit you know, Pastor, I'm not what I want to be, but I'm not what I used to be, all right? James, sometimes we read the passages in the Word of God and we look at what God is doing through these men and these women like Esther and like Ruth and like Deborah, and we think, oh, I can never do that. These are people that are wired with such, such heroic spiritual DNA, and they were just born with a knack for the things of God and then an instinct for spirituality and a hunger for the Word of God. Let me tell you something. Nobody's born with a knack for the things of God. We are shaped in iniquity and conceived in sin, but we've got a powerful God, a gracious God, a merciful God, a loving God, and a holy God that finds us in our sin and brings us a mighty long way. Aren't you glad God brought you a mighty long way? This is what God did through James. He, he was a brother of Jesus, didn't grow up believing that his brother was the son of God. Didn't quite understand it, much like many of the disciples. But he came along, by the time he's writing this passage of scripture, he's an author that knows who Jesus is. He is an apostle and he's writing this epistle, this perhaps first book of the New Testament to be written. So the author is writing to an audience 
This audience represents 12 tribes of Israel that have been scattered abroad. They're pushed outside of their promised land in spiritual decline, and God had to scatter them. Peter at Pentecost preached to different nations, and he spoke to different Jews and called them brothers of his, and they were going through some problems. I've mentioned these problems, but they bear repeating problems in their personal lives, problems in their church fellowship. They were impatient in difficulties. They were talking a lot, but not walking in the truth. In other words, they had a Christian life that was based on what they said and not based on what they did. How many of you know some people that can talk a lot, but don't walk very much, all right? This is where they were in the book of James. This is to whom James was writing. They were not controlling their tongue. James chapter 3, a little helm controls a big ship. A little bit controls a big horse. And yet it seems like we can't control our little tongue. Can I tell you something? James puts it this way. If you control your tongue, you can do anything. Keep your mouth together, you can keep anything together. That's how deadly the tongue is. They were collecting material toys. They were chasing after riches. They were praying for selfish purposes. They were persecuted. They were worldly. They were disobedient. They were sick. They were straying from the Lord and wandering from the church. Why, pastor, why is this characteristic of saved people? I'll tell you why. They were saved but immature. Saved but immature. Listen to me. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't have any problems. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't have any problems. If you're saved and not growing, spiritual immaturity will result in problems that will manifest in your life. You can be saved going to heaven and wandering from God. You can be saved going to heaven and backsliding from God. You can be saved going to heaven and indulging in sin. You can be saved going to heaven and have no respect and desire for the things of God. Demons have forsaken me having loved this present world. You say Lot wasn't saved. Listen, the New Testament calls Lot righteous. He wasn't righteous because he was living righteous. He was righteous because he was a saved man. It's possible to be righteous in your position, but unrighteous in your practices. And this is what happened in the book of James, and it's what's happening in churches today. Unfortunately, they needed to grow up. One of the ways they were going to grow up is through their dealing with trials. So here's what James says. Trials are going to come. Difficulties are going to arise. When you encounter trials, when you go through temptation, when you face tribulation, when you face testing, when you face diverse and various and different kinds of tests, you don't have to pout. You don't have to complain. How many of you have been around people that love to complain? They affect your mood. And by the way, when you complain, it affects your mood, it affects the way you view things, it affects your perspective. You're going to have problems when you complain, when you have a bad attitude, when you get discouraged, when you wallow around in depression, when you question God, when you get bitter instead of getting better. You don't have the right perspective. James says you can still have joy in trials. Now somebody say amen if you believe that. You can still have joy in trials. Watch this now. Your joy is going to be based on what you count. That word there means to evaluate. I have to evaluate. In other words, I have to come to a logical conclusion. I have to arrive at something that's based on some variables that I've been able to evaluate. I can surmise that a bad thing in my life can work out for my good. 
Do you listen to me? He's working out all things for my good. I can surmise, I can conclude, I can evaluate that yes, this thing bothers me, and yes, this thing hurts me, and yes, this thing perturbs me, and yes, this thing frustrates me, and yes, this thing confuses me, and yes, this thing calls me sorrow, and yes, this thing brings me tears, and yes, this difficulty is nothing I would have asked for, but because I'm looking at it through God's eyes and not through my eyes, I know that it can work out for my good. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. He said, three times I asked the Lord to remove the thorn in the flesh. People have speculated, was it blindness? Was it some other physical ailment? Regardless of what it was, listen how, listen how Paul described it. The minister of Satan to buffet me. To buffet is to beat you down, to antagonize you, to get on your nerves. Raise your hand if the devil gets on your nerves, all right? Here's what Paul said, this thorn in the flesh was buffeting me. I asked God, if ever a man was on grounds to ask God to answer his prayer, it was the Apostle Paul. I asked God to remove it. God said, I won't, but look what God said. My grace is sufficient for you. Here's what Paul said. Because I got God's grace, he said, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Here's Paul. Most gladly will I glory in infirmities. What did James say? Count it all joy. Synonymous. Glory with infirmities. I'm going to have a good time in my infirmities. Watch this now. I'm going to embrace them. I'm going to get excited. The next time a trial knocks on my door, I'm going to open it and say, come on in. You say, Pastor, that sounds a little crazy. Yeah, but Paul said, if I didn't get the thorn, I wouldn't get the grace. If I didn't get weak, I wouldn't get strong. If I didn't go through difficulty, I wouldn't see how good God is. So I glory in infirmity. I'm trying to talk to folks that are battling trials and difficulty this morning. You can if you decide to count it all joy. Your outlook can determine your outcome. Your defeat can turn into deliverance. Your lemons can make lemonade. You can be a victim that turns into a victor. Your trials can produce triumphs. By the way, I spoke to someone this morning. The person was very, very very vulnerable and very transparent said I'm going through and here's what the person was saying it's stuff from my past that keeps haunting me and I keep thinking about it I keep thinking about by the way you're gonna have to get past your past I said, you have to get past your past. The devil wants to regurgitate everything you did, everything you were, everything you messed up on, all your failures, failures. You can be having a good day, and all of a sudden, you start thinking about something you did in the past. It messes up your day. Listen to me. If God says he'll not remember it, you shouldn't remember it either. Amen. The next time the devil... The next time the devil reminds you about your past, remind him about his future. All right? He's going down. And, and, and it's so easy to think about, I did that. And, and, and by the way, aren't sometimes people that you love, they can be catalysts to help you remember your past, all right? And they start bringing, I still remember what you, some people still think about you based on what you used to be. And every time they see you, yeah, I know you still that old person and then you still do that same old mess. And I remember when you, oh, you used to cuss like this and I remember how you used to be. And when you grew up, I still remember what you needed. That's why, that's why you got to put some people on ignore that's why you got to learn how to unfriend some people. That's why some people's phone calls you don't, have to, you don't need to answer. That's why when you find out they're going to be at the function, you might need to skip because they are constantly a catalyst for negativity. Paul said, Philippians chapter 4, finally, my brethren, what's in Things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Stop reading Bible verses. Stop quoting Bible verses. Stop claiming Bible verses that you're not going to live. I'm asking you between this, this Sunday and last Sunday, seven days how much of your thought life this week was on just lovely pure righteous holy of good report 
virtuous things. Listen to me. You got people in your life who've done you wrong. Stop thinking about them because that's not virtuous. That's not good. Stop filling your mind with nonsense. No wonder you can't have joy in trials. You're thinking about the bad part of the trial and not the good stuff God's going to use the trial to accomplish. So he says, I can count it all joy. Last week we found out how can I count it all joy. Here's what I am. I am assured of some facts. Say that with me. Assured of some facts. Say it again. Assured of some facts. Say it again. Assured of some facts. Now, pastor's not making this up. I'm not speaking motivationally just to give you something that you can't believe, telling you you can fly when I know you can't. You know, I mean, you watch some of these movies and you've seen that. I remember daddy used to tell that story about that, that boxer that was going in the ring. And every time he came to the corner, his trainer said, man, you're going to get him. You didn't get him this round, but you're going to get him next time. He got a black eye next time and the other eye shut and he getting whooped. But you're going to get him next time. You're going to, no, you're not. Throw in the towel. You can't win. The last thing you need in your life is people lying to you to make you feel good. Okay. I said lying to you to make you feel good. I coached basketball for a number of years and played basketball. I, you know, I know we're living in a society where, we, where, where, where everybody's a victim and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and we've got to make sure we do everything right. But I'm not for always for these participation trophies. If, if you sign up for the league, you get a trophy for just signing up for the league. If you stink, you don't get a trophy. And, 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 and there, were, there, were, there was a certain level when, when, when my son used to play basketball and, and when he played at a certain level, they had rules where every player had to play two quarters out of the four quarters. I hated that rule because you knew if some people played, you had less of a chance to win. I was so glad when he got to the level where the coach could play who he wanted. Listen, you know who the coach should play? He should play the players that give him the best chance to win. And if your child is not good, you've got to be honest with yourself. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard. It's not hard coaching players. It's hard dealing with parents. Because if you come mama out the bleachers, I, I ain't see my son in the game. And I'll be like, you better be glad you didn't. You know, sometimes you have to coach, you have to kind of shoot straight with people. You, you want to be nice. Look, maybe next time he can play. He, he's a nice kid. He, well, the way he carries all the basketballs in the game, he does a great job with that. And boy, that boy sure can fill up some water bottles. I mean, he does, does a great job. He's an encouragement. He's still on the side of the bench. He can mark up the stack, but he just can't hit the side of a barn. And that once we have to look at the parent and say, your child didn't play because he can't. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I'm not here to tell you that you can count it all joy by making up a lie. We we got preachers that will lie to you and say, bless God, you put money in the offering plate this week. You're going to have a check in the mail this week. I ain't going to tell you that. I, I'm just going to tell you that God's going to keep his promises now. Now, listen, this is how you can count on. You are assured of some facts. Here's where we derive expositional preaching. We get it from the words in the Bible. Pastor, what do you mean I'm assured of some facts? Look at these two words in the Bible, verse number three. Knowing this. Say it with me. Knowing this. Say it again. So when you get preaching, if you ever hear preaching that comes from a pastor that doesn't match the book, it's not good preaching. So when I say you're assured of some facts, that's why I want you to look. That's why I want you to bring your Bible to church. You're assured of some facts. What do you mean? Knowing this. Pastor, I'm going through trials and I got a bad attitude. You're not focusing on what God told you you can know. Knowing this. So we spent last week establishing just the principle of knowing this. Now today I want to take a few moments to tell you a couple things you know when you're going through trials if you're a child of God. Somebody say amen if you're glad you're saved. 
Come on, I said, say amen if you're glad you're saved. You know, you know what that means? That means there are some promises that I can claim when I'm going through trials that a lost man cannot claim. There's some things that a saved person knows that a lost person doesn't know. A saved person knows in whom he has believed. A saved person knows his name's been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. A saved person knows he's been indwelt with the Holy Ghost of God. A saved person knows that Jesus is preparing a place for him in heaven. A saved person knows that he's going to spend forever with the Lord. A saved person knows that one day the trumpet's going to sound. A saved person knows that we're going to be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air. A saved person knows that everyone that died that was saved, we're going to see again. A saved person knows that I'm not going to spend one second in hell. A saved person knows that his sins have been forgiven. A saved person knows that he cannot lose his salvation. A saved person knows that the Bible is true from Genesis to Revelation. A saved person knows that God cannot lie. A saved person knows that grace is sufficient. A saved person knows that God is working things for my good. A saved person knows that nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. A saved person knows that what he began in me, he'll perform to the day of Jesus Christ. A saved person knows that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. A saved person knows that I have peace with God. A saved person knows that God hears my prayers. A saved person knows that he'll never leave me or forsake me. A saved person knows that he'll supply all my need. A saved person knows that I can do all things through Christ. A saved person knows that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. A saved person knows that everything I know now I can know tomorrow a saved person knows that the Christian life is not a life where I'm doing it but I'm letting God do it through me I'm just trying to tell me tell you the next time you get discouraged you get down and out you get depressed and in despair and in despondency destitution and desperation don't squeeze a stress ball don't shoot a round of golf don't play the lottery don't watch Dr. Phil don't go on an eating binge don't spend money you don't have read your Bible and remember what you know what you know. What you know. Now, pastor, tell me what I know. Number one, I know as a child of God, we are tested people. Huh? Uh, here I go with a trial. That, that, that's like a student going, uh, we're having tests. What do you think happens in school? Now, here's, here's what James says. When you have a trial, what did Peter say? Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that you face. You, you, you shouldn't go through trials as a Christian and go, I don't know what in the world is going on in my life. Think it not strange. Why? Because the teacher has to find out if the student is learning by administering a test. The assayer, watch this now, the assayer has to make sure that the gold is refined by testing it. See, he, he tests it to find out just how pure it is. He tests it to find out just how real it is. Job said, when he hath tried me, that word means to test me, when he has approved me. Now watch this now. Here's what tested people must endure. Evaluation. God has to see where we are. Exposure. God has to find out what we're made of. And enlightenment. God has to tell us how to get better. Are you listening to me? Here's what testing does. First of all, let's see what I'm working with. Second of all, let's see what the thing I'm working with really is. And third of all, let's get the thing better so I'm working with something better. Somebody help me preach. When you go through a trial, God has given you the sheet of paper and said, let's find out how much you learn in church. 
Oh, I, I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, filled with the Spirit. I, I, I'm just blessed, blessed, blessed. You tell everybody that. Let's find out how blessed you are when you go through a trial. Huh? You know, I found out. I found out the Rottweilers in the good times often become chihuahuas in the bad. They, they bark loud. They bark loud when nothing's going wrong. See, see, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. You don't prove how great you're a Christian by when things are going well. You prove how great of a Christian you are when you go through diverse temptation. We're tested. We're tested. I was, uh, <clears throat> when I first came home in, in 2020 and 2021, the doctor, the therapist said, you should use resistance bands. That's, that's to help stretch scar tissue and help work this thing out. I, I stopped doing it for a while because I, I started dealing with pain here. So it, and they said, anytime it starts hurting, to stop doing it. But, but, but I'm no specialist in, in muscle building. I know it's hard for you to tell that. But anyway, I know I'm not, uh, uh, but, but, but I know enough. I, I know enough about the body and muscles that the only way you're going to get a muscle to grow is to work it with some tension. Somebody help me preach. You, you need some resistance. You need something fighting against that muscle to teach that muscle to step it up. Now, now, now listen, I know you can do this. You ever see people walking and they're walking like this? I mean, that's good. It's good to swing them. But it'd be better if you, had, you were swinging your arms with something in them. Huh? Some of you say, oh, yes, Pastor, I do curls all the time. Krispy Kreme don't. I just curl them just like this. Just, just go, zoop. Do 12 reps. That's 12. That's a dozen donuts. <laughs> Preach, Pastor. Preach, Pastor. And, and, and I, and I want to make sure I do it equal so I get 12 more. Go tell see, 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 some Christians run real, real well and they curl real good when there's nothing in their hands. And then here comes a trial. Here comes some resistance. You know what, you know what some people do when trials come? I'm not doing no more curls. See, see, your faith works better when it's tested. Some, somebody said, I feel like God is gone. You know, when I go through trials, I feel like it's the hardest time to find God. Listen to me. The teacher doesn't run his mouth during the test. He ran his mouth before the test. He's quiet during the test to find out if you learn anything. If the, preacher's got, if the teacher's got to talk you through the test, you weren't listening during the class. See, that's why, that's why, Christian, you got to be careful. You've got to be careful when you surmise that it's not important to really be intentional in your Christianity when things are going well. Watch this now. I didn't bring my notebook today because I'm already familiar with this passage. Be careful. I don't really have to pay attention. I've already heard this message. Therefore, thou art to give the more earnest heed to the things which thou hast heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Here's what he's saying. You better pay attention to what you know, because what you know is what you're most likely to let slip. Statistics tell us that most people get into accidents within five minutes of their home. You know why? It's when they are the least defensive. I don't need to really drive that carefully, because I'm close to home. I know where I am. Most of the sins we committed this week were not sins of naivete or ignorance. Most of the stuff we do, we know better. Come on. We know better. 
Excuse my French. You know that's a cuss word. You can't claim ignorance for the rest of your life. Huh? So tested. We're te- we are tested people for evaluation, for exposure, and for enlightenment. This is God saying, let's find out what the gold is made of. Everybody wants to be Job in the end. And by the way, everybody want to claim they're Job. Pray for me. I just feel like Job. I just feel like I'm going through it. I feel like Job because my wife said my breath stinking. I feel like Job because problem with this and I feel like Job everything's going wrong I feel like Job my money's funny and I feel like Job my friends have turned on me I feel like Job I'm physically ill I feel like Job I'm I'm all alone don't just liken yourself to Job's trials you better liken yourself to Job's testimony fear God eschewed evil upright when he have tried me I shall what Come on, you know your Bible. I shall what? What was come for? The picture. What the picture is of refining, right? This is this is the the gold being refined in the fire. Here's what we know about gold: gold doesn't burn. Clearly, a good number of you did not know that because you didn't say anything. All right. <laughs> You can look it up when you go home. Well, you said I can find it in the Bible. Just, okay, scientifically, gold does not burn. I'll tell you what burns. Dross does. Dross is represented as the impurities that are intended to be burned away from the gold. Now, watch this now. The hotter the heat is turned up, the purer the gold is refined. So when you turn up heat and stuff starts burning away, and you go, oh, no, there goes my gold. That ain't your gold. That's your dross. So watch this now. Anything in your Christian life that gets consumed in your trials wasn't real. I haven't been, have been coming to church because I'm going through trials. That means when you were coming, you weren't coming for the right reason. My financial difficulties have stripped me of my ability to tithe. Now, I didn't, didn't say I, I'm not getting paid. I'm just not tithing. Preach, Pastor. Don't get nervous when I start talking about tithing. I hadn't even started talking about your money. The tithe is the Lord's. Will a man rob? I don't believe in tithing. Tithing was in the law. Tithing was before the law. You said, where tithing starting? The Garden of Eden. All of these trees you can get up, but that one is mine. God always reserves a portion for himself. Genesis chapter 14. Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes of all. That's before the law. Tithing in the law. Jesus said to the Pharisees, tithing, these things you ought to do. So tithing was before the law, tithing was during the law, tithing was after the law, and you talking about you don't tithe. I found out that most people are against stuff that they already decided they weren't going to do. Aren't you glad that there's no verse in the Bible that says you can't eat meat? We have some vegans and vegetarians in here. We're not against you. We're just not you, okay? <laughs> right, Angie on. <laughs> but your husband is, he's, he's working, standing with you through it, right? Such a sweet guy. Let's see how long he lasts. But anyway, <laughs> it's amazing how much stuff people try to make a biblical excuse up to not have to do. 
By the way, even if I didn't think tithing was commanded in scripture under grace, I'd have a hard time doing less under grace than they did under the law. That was just for free. We are tested people. Then this and then I'm done. We are taught patience. What are you talking about? When ye fall into doctrine, how in the world is a man going through trial? Just found out he lost his job. Just lost a loved one. Just found out that somebody in his life that he really cares about has gone, gone astray. Just, just found out he, he, he went through a difficult city. house burned now. Just, just found out that somebody that's very dear to him is trying. How in the world when somebody turned, how can you count it all? Watch this now. Because I am a tested person that is being taught patience. Romans chapter 5. Knowing this, tribulation worketh patience. There's a biblical formula there, right? Formulas in math, you don't deny them, right? Two plus two equals five. Not in any country. Huh? Two plus two equals four. Every time. You, you put formulas together when you want the area of something or the circumference of something or the perimeter of something or you want a quotient or you want a sum or, 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 or you, want a, you want something that's going to be added up or you want something so you have to put a formula here's God's formula tribulation work you can use worketh and substitute equal tribulation equals patience tribulation produces patience don't embarrass yourself the pastor will join you. How many of you would admit, I need more patience? Now, while you put your hand up, guess what? Guess what God said? Guess how you're going to get it? Tribulation. Some of you say, I don't want to raise my hand. Like God don't know. I ain't putting my hand up about I need patience because then I know that I'm going to be volunteering for trials. Like you keeping your hand down, God going to go, oh, she ain't put her hand up. She don't need patience. He already knows. I ain't going to the doctor. I'm scared he's going to find out. He's going to tell me what I have. Like it's going to go away because you don't go to the doctor. We need patience. Trials. Work patience. You know why? Because when you go through trials and God says, nope, I ain't taking it away quickly like you want it gone. Let me tell you something. If there's anything I've had to learn the last couple of years, it's patience. I, mean, I like to jump up and go. I mean, go. And sometimes I forget. I get up in the morning and say, it's time to go. And that first hit the first foot hit the floor, and the body say, "No." <laughs> you know what you do? You learn to wait on the Lord. You know how mile a minute we'd be if we didn't have trials. You know what? Sometimes we need to slow down. Come on, be honest. You know what you do when you're going fast all the time? You make a bunch of mistakes. Have you ever looked back at something you sent in a hurry? 
and reread it and thought, oops. I had a few sanctified people cuss at me in the text. I think it was you, Zeb. <laughs> I never told you, but I was, I was waiting for the right time. <laughs> okay. You offended me, okay? <laughs> it wasn't Zeb. It was Marie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was neither one of them. But you, you know what happened? A couple of them. They let that old unregenerate uh, auto text correct. How auto correct and it's wrong? Type form. You know why you use auto correct? Because you don't have the patience to type it out. Now you got a trial. Because <laughs> you didn't cuss at the preacher. <laughs> Count it all joy. No, I'm just kidding. We get in a hurry. We run out the house and forget something we should have. We get in a hurry. We run a red light. Come on now. We get in a hurry on an assignment and we do it sloppily. Come on. We get in a hurry speaking to people and we didn't say what we should have said. We get in a hurry trying to get somewhere and we ignore important people while we're doing it. See, see, God said, sometimes when I give you a trial, I'm reminding you that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, but the stops are too. Going through a trial right now. And you're going, oh. Now, let's make sure we don't mistake trials with chastening. James 1, Hebrews chapter 12. Now, no chastening for the present time seemeth joyous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yielded the peaceable, peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. Both produce fruit, trials and chastening. But the difference between trials and chastening, trials and chastening is not that they don't produce fruit, is that they're based on a different root. Yea, that all that live godly shall suffer persecution. Persecution is suffered as a result of living godly. Chastening is suffered as a result of being disobedient. One's a hard time, the other one's a whooping. Huh? I don't believe in whooping my kids. God does. So if you're going through a chastening, don't go, oh, thank you, Lord. You just, you wanted me to go through this so that I could become a stronger kid. No, no, I'm sorry, Lord, for being disobedient. I'll take the whooping so that next time I don't do the same thing. But trials that I face, God, you're testing me as your people to teach me patience. And if I'm gaining patience, out of this test that even though I don't enjoy the trial I can have joy during the trial because I know that God is working it out for my good Father thank you thank you as I pray and in my prayer when I talk to you Thank you for trials. 
teaching me to smell the roses to appreciate people to take the time to do what's important heads bowed eyes closed no one looking around pastor I know that I know that I know that I'm saved if you know that would you raise your hand I know that I know that I know that I'm saved put your hand up I have Bible reasons to prove it God bless you God bless you God bless you put your hand up pastor I need to be reminded that God tests me God tests me and I need to be taught patience God spoke to me today put your hand up if that's you all over the building I'm going through something that's it's a trial I gotta think about what I know put your hands down one more question pastor I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven but I'm 100% sure I do not want to go to hell let me ask you again. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand anywhere in the building? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Anybody like that? Is there a hand? Yes, God bless you. God bless you for being honest. God bless you. Someone else? I'm not sure, 100% sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. Anyone else? Well, you pray right where you are. Right where you are. That God would bless. And if God is speaking to hearts, you do business with God right where you are. Pray right where you are. Dick Reddick, your, your wife is upstairs with you? Good. She can avail herself to one of those that's seeking the Lord there in the balcony. We want to make sure that nobody leaves here wanting to know how to go to heaven that can't find out. Hey, listen to me. If people come to Crossroads, if we don't give them nothing, let's give them Jesus. We don't want anybody to ever feel like this church doesn't love them enough to tell them quickly from the Bible how they could know wherever you are in the building God bless you for it and let's ask God's richest blessings on the service and the word he's given us today our father we pray that you do what only you do and Lord as we prepare to baptize one I pray God that you will move in our midst and you help us and that you remind us of just how faithful you are thank you for being a good God help us to focus more on what we know you're doing and not on what we don't like that's happening because you're working we're going to be better if we don't get better in Jesus name amen let's give God the praise